Welcome to GG No Reread. We are back. It's No Cartridges Literary Show, and I am here with the uh, much beloved uh, fan favorite and 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 personal favorite, uh, Miss Miss Olivia Broussard. Liv, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I thank you for all of the awards that you've just bestowed upon me. Well, you know, it's just, it's it's important that you get more. I I feel like. I take that whole argument about participation trophies and everything, and I think people should just be actually be getting more trophies, not less. Yeah, I agree, and I would like a, a you know like a physical version as well. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I'll get on that. Um, I believe there are places you can buy trophies. <laughs> um, I have to go out and buy my own trophy. No, 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 no. I'll I'll buy the trophy and send it. I just need to find a good trophy supplier. Um, All right. Currently. Uh, I do not have any sponsors that are uh, trophy makers, which makes it a little tricky. Yeah, and we are looking only for union-made trophies. <laughs> union-made trophies that want to sponsor me. <laughs> it complicates the process. Little tricky, but we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, so you can expect your trophy in Q4 of 2021. Um, well, how have you been? How are things going? Are are, are you well? Uh, yeah. This is this is literally me just asking how you're doing. We're gonna jump right into the book. I promise, audience. I just want to <laughs> be polite to live. How are how are you doing, Liv? Yes, I am well. I'm well, Good. and um, yeah, very excited to to talk about both both of the things we have on our plate today. So. Yeah, so we have we have uh, our first novella on the plate, which is I I really enjoyed. I am a I am a on record as being a big fan of uh, shorter. Texts, not because they're short. Uh, that sounds like something like a freshman in college would say, because <laughs> they're like easier. Um, but I am I'm a fan of shorter texts just because I like the um, I like the constraints that shorter texts are under. I think that it produces really good work, and and uh, no no difference here with our book uh, this week. And then um, we also have a shorter game, so like it's it's mm-hmm. all the great it's all the stuff that I love. Um, short games and short texts, and and there was the constraints on both. Um, I'm really excited to talk about them. So what should we introduce first? Why don't you pick one to introduce and then I'll introduce the other one. Well, I was just going to say, like, if you're new for whatever reason to Gigi No Reread, the, oh, yeah, well, what, what we do here is we're we're pairing a, a book with a game based off of uh, some some aspect of either the, the themes or in this case, as is uh, as it is. Spooky month. It is spooky time. Welcome to the spooky month, Liv. This uh, we is... haven't talked in, in spooky month. <laughs> we haven't. This is our um, our horror themed Gigi No Reread. Yeah. So we're looking at both a, a horror novella by Stephen Graham Jones and looking at a short horror video game, um, Craven Manor. So Craven our Manor. our novella is um, Night of the Mannequins and. With Craven Manor, I'm not sure if anyone will will guess our connection here, but they both include creepy mannequins, creepy mannequin horror. That's right. Yeah, and it, so first off, creepy mannequin horror is not a genre I was really aware of, but now I am fully aware of it. Um, these games embody it in a very real way. I, I sort of understand the contours of why mannequins are scary. They're like people, but not. They should not be moving around, but they do. That kind of thing. Um, I'm scared of mannequins now. I, I, you know, it's it, it's been effective. Um, also, the first Stephen Graham Jones book I've read, and I'm really, I really, really like his work. He's a he's a fun writer. Um, I think 
you know, we'll get into the plot in a second, but just like the ability to keep this particular narrative voice the whole time through is really impressive. Like I, I it felt he writes as a teen in this book and it feels uh, very um, authentic, not, not put on, not sort of like done as a bit or like an old person trying to be a teen or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, like uh, it, it just, it, it feels very real. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. He also is a, um, uh, an indigenous person. He is, he is of the Blackfeet tribe. Um, and uh, I, I, this book includes uh, very subtle, but, but, you know, apparent uh, issues of um, indigeneity uh, in there. And I think it's really good. Yeah. Night of the Mannequins is his most recent release, but um, I think probably his most major release was earlier this year, which is like incredible. Like he's just a prolific author putting out a ton of really good work. Uh, it's with, wild. So with, much work. <laughs> the Only Good Indians came out earlier this year and has been, I haven't gotten to it yet. I, I think I'm going to be getting to it in the next couple of weeks, um, but is widely loved. Yeah, that's that's his big one right now. That seems to be like when I was looking into him as an author after I read the book, it seems like that's the thing that's getting the most buzz. Mm -hmm. But I I think what you touched on earlier about um, the novella being like a popular or not, you know, being a very effective form here. And I think that horror novellas, um, especially like independently published horror novellas are gaining a little bit of steam. And I I hope that... um, I hope that people do like think to pick up novellas because I think that especially for the horror genre, it's, it is, um, it works really well for the aims of what you're doing, that you're not overstaying your welcome and you can tell a concise story. And I think that independent publishers, um, are more frequently able to get these things published. Whereas like a, yeah. a major publisher might not want to pick up novellas as frequently. So, so if it's, it's, if horror is a genre that you're into um, as far as like films and everything like that, because I think people are into horror films more than they're into horror books. I would, I would check out novellas. Yeah. I think the reason novellas are so, especially horror novellas are so effective for me. Like, you know, this, this is going to sound like a slight against the book and I promise it isn't. It's it's more just like my, my love for the genre. Um, Night of the Mannequins reminded me of, and let me say an extraordinarily well polished and well written version of like a creepypasta because it does the thing that creepypastas do where there's a premise that's introduced and then developed along sort of like a limited period of time, um, clear rising action and falling action, all that stuff. But mostly it's this idea, right? Like this like central premise that the story hinges upon even more than like character or anything like that. And it's taken to its uh, ultimate end in kind of like interesting ways. Whereas like, I think in horror novels, because they're like, you know, longer and, and, and more sort of like necessarily rounded as a result, or, or maybe not if they're poorly written, but typically if they're well-written, um, the concept sort of has to share space with, um, characterization and, and, and these sort of like longer sort of, maybe there's a love story, maybe there's this, maybe there's that. What I liked about Night of the Mannequins, not that I dislike the added stuff, what I liked about Night of the Mannequins was how, like, the concept of this sort of, like, the concept being this, uh, you know, the, our main character, our narrator, believes there is a uh, a giant mannequin coming to kill him and his friends um, because they abandoned uh, the mannequin, which they used to play with one summer. Um, it's just such a cool concept, and while all the characters are rounded and fleshed out, 
like the concept is the star of the of the story and i think that's such effective horror yeah so let me just uh summarize now the basic concepts of please um both night of the mannequins and craven manor and then after wow. that point um or you can talk about craven manor if you want to no but, no please um, i i think you're probably better at summarizing things <laughs> but after that point then we'll we'll tell you when we're done with non-spoiler stuff and then we will move into spoilers so hopefully um Hopefully you'll want to like pause and pick up these things now and join us for the spoiler discussion. But I think that uh, even even if you do hear spoilers for these things, they're better experienced on your own. Yes. So Night of the Mannequins is uh, like Trevor mentioned, it's from the point of view of a teenager. um, And it's about him and his group of friends uh, told in first person about they are a tight knit group of friends and they found a mannequin in, in a ditch one summer and then after that point they they just like play pranks on each other with the mannequin and um the the initial event in this book is that they bring a mannequin into a movie theater and they they set up a mannequin in the middle of the theater and they all spread out because they don't want to get caught one of their friends works at the movie theater so it's going to be a big prank on her um and then during the movie the the mannequin gets up and walks out right so, um at that point, um, his, he believes that his his friends are being chased down by this mannequin that's like growing in size, and like one of his friends dies when being crushed by a giant mannequin foot that you know comes to destroy her home and and the families. So that's the non spoiler version of of the story, and then Craven Manor. Um, I don't know why I agreed to play a, play a horror video game? game for this. This, I mean, this was my idea. Um, yeah, no one, for, no one forced you into this. <laughs> I should let 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 the audience know. I did not have any hand in making Liv do anything she didn't want to do. <laughs> but uh, I thought that this would be, you know, an an easy easy thing for me to do. I love horror movies. I love horror books. I've never completed a horror video game <laughs> until now. I don't know what it is about it, but just I force quit out of it no matter what game it is. It could be Amnesia. It could be like truly the like a 30 second game off of itch. Just I can't complete them. Um, Have no problem. Yeah, no problem watching stuff happen. Like I can watch playthroughs of them with no problem. Um, But something about being in the that role to to take action is just a little too much for me. But I did complete Craven Manor. Um, (laughs) So the the concept for this game is you are put into this like big Resident Evil looking mansion um, and it, it kind of functions in the same way where there's like little puzzles and um, whenever you're first introduced to the the mansion, you're you're in it and there's like only one room available for you to go in. And as you explore the mansion, you pick up models of this little of the rooms of the the manor and put them on a table in the the great hall and then more rooms become available to you so there's like this miniature house available for you to to build and it's a really neat mechanic yeah adds on new rooms um and then the the big horror of the game is that there's (laughs) there's mannequins that pop up and follow you around and they um yeah they're they're bronzed they're very 
very creepy. I didn't I didn't think that I was scared of mannequins, but I don't. Yeah, I think I'm scared of mannequins <laughs> I think now. That I, I incepted a new fear for myself. <laughs> that was smart of you to do right before Halloween. Um, no, I think like the 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 mannequin in this game too, like plays like plays into the Unity limitations super well because like it's it is a Unity uh, horror game. If you if you are a fan of horror games, you've played a game like Craven Manor before. Um, it, that's not a slight against it. It is like a lot of games are made in Unity because it's a really good and easy way to make a fun 3D game, and 3D horror games are very popular. Um, but I think the mannequin was a good choice because there is sort of like that that slight pixelation. There, there's a sense of like flatness to the figure, but it works because it's a flat bronze figure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like it's scary. It's it's believable. It feels like oh yeah, this is a real mannequin that's chasing me around. Um, the other thing that I think is cool about this game and, and and worth mentioning is like you can not just like put the pieces on the table, uh, the rooms on the table, but in fact like rearrange them to like get to different parts of the rooms. Like you essentially are like moving the house around um, to like I don't know access it in different ways, and and it is it, it's something I haven't seen in any other game. I mean, for for whatever you want to say about Craven Manor, um, I think it's a fun game and it's free, so I mean, why not? Um, but uh, it is, uh, or is it free? Yeah, it's free yeah. on Steam. It's about it, co- uh, it like cost a- ten bucks for a while, and now it's free. Yeah, I saw someone saying that before, so I couldn't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I didn't pay anything for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun. It's totally worth it uh, to play it. I mean, it takes like an hour, an hour and a half to finish. But um, the uh, I will say, like that mechanic was brand new to me, and I thought really, really inventive. Hmm. I uh, it. It is interesting. It doesn't take up a huge... You would think it would be more important to the game than it is. There's only, like, one point where rearranging the rooms actually, like... Correct, yes. ...does True. anything. Yeah. No, it's, you're right. And, I mean, like, like a lot of student games... I mean, this is a game... That I think they. I think it was made in SMU, like, as a student project. But, um... Uh, like a lot of student games, like, one of the things you'll notice about um, Craven Manor is, like, there are a lot of ideas that... You know, if you had a full team and like, you know, uh, all the resources of a major company or whatever, you could have fleshed out a little bit more. It's it's it almost feels like a prototype in some ways, but it is. Um, I don't know. It's good. It's fun. Yeah, I think from from here on out, just assume that we will be going all all spoilers in. Um, yep. Because I'm sure it'll be in um, <laughs> not in any true order. <laughs> it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to not talk about spoilers from here on out because uh, both of these games kind of well, especially the book. Like I, I would say, Night of the Mannequins relies on the spoiler uh, premise pretty heavily um, because, like, so uh, the main spoiler of the book is that um, it's not really a um, mannequin <laughs> chasing the people around. Essentially. Your narrator is um, an unreliable narrator. Your narrator is Sawyer, um, a, a, an, an indigenous boy who, uh, teenager, I guess, not boy, um, who is uh, um, about to graduate high school and thinks a mannequin is killing all his friends, decides that since you know his first friend, Shanna, who uh, dies, is killed by a truck going off the road, and he thinks that Manny, the mannequin, scared the truck off the road and it hit her house. He decides, you know, we should stop having all this collateral damage. So I'm just going to kill my friends, so fewer people are hurt. He takes he's a utilitarian at heart, um, and and goes about this. Uh, and tragically, we find out that the you know 
the mannequin is not real and he is just uh, doing this horrible thing and uh, justifying it to himself. Um, when did you did you know that the mannequin wasn't real pretty early on? Um, or suspect? I, I guess no. You'd have to. It would be late, but I I think that I don't don't try to figure out like the 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 facts of horror books um like smart it could be real it could not you know like it it could be i don't think i ever thought it was like a real mannequin that was doing this but like i don't ever know what spirits are at force in a horror book it could be literally anything going on um but it's clear that the the narrator is has high anxieties about um his friends staying together and mm-hmm. the the preserving the life of the family and like the preserving as much life as possible and has anxieties that are more than what's what we see going on so like we haven't really seen the mannequin killing anyone or anything like that there's no um action on the page that's from that perspective of of the mannequin actually like taking action on anyone right um, it's all from sawyer's perspective and yes. so like he, he never actually sees the mannequin killing anyone it's all just like well yeah it's all extrapolation like he finds there's a, a fertilizer bag that's opened and he's like oh man he must be eating this fertilizer and growing nuclear reactive because it's like the extremely poisonous stuff that makes plants big and you know oh there's a you know like this is this must have been what happened here here's what happened there right yeah, so I just kind of like let it unfold. I don't, I don't worry that's, too that's much good. about the facts of anything because um, I don't know. I read plenty of stuff where there ends up being no facts of anything, and it's all all feelings. So that's reasonable. I think, like, I guess the question I have is, um, I, I guess the question I have because you're right. It's not about like whether the mannequin's real or not. I guess my question is better said as like. When did you kind of realize that Sawyer was not a particularly reliable narrator? Mm. I feel like I started, I'll give you mine. I feel like I started doubting him around like the, like just before the first murder, I started wondering if Sawyer was seeing things clearly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that that's, that's fair. Um, But I think that that is like why this book is so effective is because, it actually feels like it's a teenage narrator. So like uh, young adult as a genre is pretty um, just defined by like what publishers want to get sold to who. Um, So like there's, I don't think anyone would ever market this as a young adult book, even though it's all about teenagers. And I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly why that is, but it's like honestly such a, not that, (laughs) Not that I was ever anxious and killing my friends uh, as a teenager, but it feels... I mean, what? It, let, let's, you know, all of us have been there. <laughs> but it plays on, like, the real teenage anxieties of, like, oh, I don't have control. I need to take control. Like, I I feel like I'm, I know what the right thing to do is, but no one's listening to me. Like, it, it feels so realistic. Um, so... Sawyer immediately feels like a unreliable narrator because he feels like a real teenager and no teenagers mm. are reliable narrator. And so whenever you read something from a teenage point of view and it just feels so like 
grounded, it's like, okay, well, that's not a real teenager. You know, teenagers are so scattered. And so he feels unreliable, but he feels like a real teenager. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of putting it. Because like, it is it is a sense of like, you, you start, I don't know, like doubting him, not because what he's saying doesn't fit the logic of horror novels. I didn't even think about it this way. But you're right, like, the mannequin going up and leaving the theater, the broken bags of fertilizer, the the dead friend, it all sets up like a slasher movie. And like it, in the acknowledgments at the end, basically uh, Graham Jones is like, yeah, I love slasher movies. I watch them all the time. Like my kids watch them. My wife hates them, but she listens to me talk about them. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with slasher movies. And, um, you know, it does have the whole setup of a slasher movie. It should make sense. But because it's like the opening line is really good. It's like it starts off with um, I jumped to the very beginning. Um, uh, so Shauna got a new job at the movie theater. We thought we'd play a fun prank on her. And now most of us are dead. And I'm really starting to feel kind of guilty about it all. Like, it's just <laughs> like it's an immediate sort of like like everything's there. Right. Where like you get the plot of the book, obviously, but then also this sense of deflection where it's like i'm starting to feel guilty about it all and then immediately like i'd like to say it wasn't my idea it's not really my fault it was kind of me like it's very teenager it's not like it's not you know oh this edgar Allan poe narrator is clearly uh losing his mind and is guilty not that i don't like poe but you know this is much more just like this is how any teenager acts they deflect blame they sort of like try to see a situation realistically but kind of like can't quite get out of their own way with it. It's very self-centered. Yeah, it's it just like it immediately you know the character you're dealing with. You're absolutely right. And it comes from like this like teenage idea of like that there's still like a structure to the world um, that like of course it makes sense that he should need to kill his friends so that like the whole family doesn't suffer because if he doesn't kill his friends then the mannequin will, will kill the whole family and just like this like very uh teenager logic of like you know like i have to do what i have to do and you know if i don't do what i'm doing then something even worse will happen and it's like this very misguided logic but it it just feels so so real and um reliant on like that teenage hope that that there is like a structure to the world right yeah and like the you know one of the things we talked about was how like one of the central themes in the movie. So the movie they bring, or movie, sorry, the book, uh, they bring Manny to the mannequin. When they're doing the prank, they dress him up and they bring him to the movie theater. Uh, they have to cut him up and like reassemble him in the theater. It's a good prank. Um, and they set him up in the seat that just as a paying customer to the superhero movie, essentially it's, it's, you know, it's the most recent Avengers. Um, it's end game. Uh, the way they set it up. I mean, no name is said, but it's superhero mashup, the third in a trilogy. <laughs> like it's, it's really clear what he's going for. Um, and the, the, the movie is always kind of like, it's perpetually there and perpetually disappointing. Like it's sort of just like background noise or whatever, but the superhero element here is like, seems super relevant to what you were saying, which is like, every time you watch this movie, someone has to make some sort of horrible sacrifice. Right. And, even if everyone doesn't want them to do it, it ends up being the right thing to do. And like that logic is just exactly what drives Sawyer the whole time. He's like, I hate doing this. I hate killing my friends. But in the end, if I don't do it, then the bad guys win. Like, you know, and I'm the only one who can do it. It's it's like it's it makes yourself important, but also you're you're doing something that you don't want to do. It's that perfect teenage, like it, it hits right in the axis of like 
I want to feel really important, but I also want to feel really selfless and like like a person who has to suffer for for their friends. Like it it, it really is kind of like the ultimate teenage uh, slasher. Mm. I think that um, Craven Manor is kind of the the opposite. Like they they're both about uh, obsession and yes, um, and the destruction of the like destruction of the home and that like Craven Manor is all about um, like the house being put together one little piece at a time. And so it's like thinking about like um, a home as wholeness and Night of Mannequins is thinking about the family as wholeness. And um, but <laughs> whereas uh, Sawyer has the best of intentions, Mr. Mr. Craven does not have the, the best of intentions. no, <laughs> I mean, they both they both are so Craven of Craven Manor is this uh, is this fellow who uh, I mean, we learn eventually he's killed his parents. He's obsessed with death and the soul and like, you know, the 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 idea of essentially alchemical transition of the soul into other bodies and stuff like that. Like it, the mannequins do move in Craven Manor because they're in they're uh, infested with spirits of the dead that Craven has filled them with. Um, but like. I mean, like Sawyer, uh, the one thing they're similar, right, is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say the one similarity and then I'll let you go into the differences because there are many of those. But I'd say the one similarity, because I don't want to forget it, is they both are fascinated with this idea of utilitarian thinking about life, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, you, <laughs> for Sawyer, it's like, I have to kill my friends and it, it's awful and it makes me feel really bad. But if one person dies instead of two, you have to do that. And um, and Craven's like, yeah, like, sure, I guess, like, uh, people are going to get mad at me because I killed all these homeless people. But if you think about it, like, they probably weren't really doing terribly much anyway. And, and this is actually pretty important for me. So ultimately, my life means more and is more utilitarian. Like, I'm I'm doing science and these people aren't like it. It is it is the sense of, like, what has the most utility when when looked at in terms of, like, a human being, which is. um I mean, naturally horrifying. Yeah, I think that overall, the that Night of the Mannequins has a little bit more respect for for the body. Um, there are uh, gruesome murder scenes, but it's always from like this very, uh, like you were saying, like kind of like most utilitarian like point of view, where it's like killing them in just like the most um, effective way possible, which. Yeah, frequently becomes very, very gruesome, and and his reasoning for how he's killing everyone. Um, but the Craven Manor deaths are a little bit more uh, sadistic, and um, just having these mannequins that are, now have spirits inside of them, it's just a little bit more uh, haunting, I think, than than a death. It's a bit more like, like when I agree, because like it feels like so the the first person Sawyer kills is his um, is his friend Tim, and um, Tim like it's hard for him to do it, and he like he kind of like makes a, a lot of noise, and he's like, oh geez, everyone's gonna find me, so he's like, well, but you know they can't think that Tim just killed himself because that would depress them, so he like pins him up on the wall. And like it's, it's gruesome, but he's like, oh, they'll just think it's some sort of like weird serial killer out there. Um, and ultimately, that's what happens, kind of. But like, 
it's all like in his head. He's like, I'm, I don't, there's no significance to this other than I want to throw people off the trail. Like I don't have any reason to pin him on the wall, but maybe someone would. <laughs> Whereas like with, uh, with Craven, it's like all the deaths in it are very much coded, like something from, you know, like seven or something like that, where it's like, it's dark. Like all the ways people die, like he kills his father by putting his head in a vat of bronze and like, you know, like stuff like that, where it's like, it is very troubling and sadistic and scary in the way that a slasher movie uh, can be, like with inventive deaths. Um, whereas Night of the Mannequins always undercuts that, right? Like all the invention in the deaths is always like, oh, this was a mistake. Or like like when he kills Danielle, his friend in the theater, and someone sees him in his mannequin mask and blank face is born, he says. Like blank face never comes up as an idea again, except that people know someone's killing people. But he's like... Oh yeah, I guess like I guess I created a horrifying persona named Blankface. It's not important. <laughs> Moving on, like, it, it all is incidental to him. The if we haven't said said so enough already, this book rules. It's it's really good. It's it's it, great. It uses so many ideas liberally. Like it's not like okay, I got one good idea and I got to stretch it out. It's like I'll give you a new idea every couple of pages and just like keep keep moving on. Oh, it's so good. It's great. And I think, like, you know, the one thing I really love, so the, I, I will say this about Craven Manor. It is, like, it is an interesting game, and I will, I will we, uh, you know, there's more to say about why it's an interesting game. But plot-wise, it is, it's pretty standard, I would say. <laughs> like, the, the concept's cool and, and everything, but it, it works how you would expect it to work. Like, the, the scary notes are around the house. Uh, you're in the house. You're kind of going through it eventually. Uh, you run into the mannequins and have to fight them. Um, house starts burning down. The ending is kind of obscure. There are two options for the ending, and both are sort of like a little bit obscure, a little bit strange, very Stanley Parable-esque in that way. Um, but like I, the last bit in like every every moment in Night of the Mannequins undercuts a slasher trope. And like it's clear that it's able to do this because Graham Jones is just like so he knows so much about slashers. And like the best, the, the my favorite was at the end when you find out Shanna has been alive this whole time. It's probably been her sneaking into the fertilizer bags or looking for food and stuff, scavenging because a truck hit her house and killed her dogs and family, but she wasn't there. She just like escaped or was like destroyed. It doesn't explain it, right? And uh, and she finds Sawyer and says like, you know what, Sawyer? Manny's not alive and I can tell you why Manny's not alive. And Sawyer's narration is like, I didn't want to hear it. Like, I, I didn't want to know, like, if the mannequin was in the break room or, like, they found it in the bathroom or whatever. I didn't I didn't really want to hear that, so I just ran away. Like, you don't get the resolution. He just, he's like, I didn't really want to know the resolution, so I, I peaced out and ran over to the lake and waited for Manny to take me. Like, you don't even get the resolution that you would normally get in a slasher because the protagonist doesn't want to hear it. I thought that was like an amazing undercutting. Like, it's like the trope set up and he's just like, yeah, but you don't get that. <laughs> I thought that she did tell him and that he killed her right then. No, he didn't kill her. Shana um, survives. No, I thought he killed her at the end though. Whenever she was telling him about what happened. Um, let me see. So hold on. Let's, let's find out. It was like That's... a little bit obscure. Like it kind of like jumped around and then, it said like something like, but she's already dead, and then he like bounces. I thought he was saying she's already dead because she was actually dead. Like mm. she had died in the thing. Mm. So like she says, um, yeah, okay. So that makes sense to you because it didn't. Her death isn't played out, but I was I was thinking like 
he was like, oh, I don't want to hear this, and just like killed really fast and bounced. Yeah, so JR is surprised. He kills JR, his last friend, and um, yeah, she says, I know when you're the one doing it, Sawyer Grimes. Um, it was Shauna. What? Uh, shaking my head, no, about this. She was still alive, and that meant it meant I shook my head, no, this couldn't be her, except there she was, right? Um, and talking, and she says, um, he says, you're alive. And he says, I, I was, I thought Manny killed you. I thought you were the first, but I've only been doing this because, because if I don't, then he'll kill our family, Shanna. Uh, but I've been ever since you, I've been saving everyone. And she says, uh, she says, um, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just like moving on here. Um, I don't know what you saw, but it wasn't him. Do you know how I know Sawyer, cousin of mine? Do you want me to tell you? Um, she said, I fell back away from her, away from this. Uh, I didn't want to hear about the mannequins and Lost and Found down at the movies. I did not need to hear about any mannequins wearing green visors in the break room. I did not hear, need to hear anything remotely like that. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, he hit her. The joystick handle caught her across the eyes, but it blinded her long enough for me to run through the swirling debris. Um, and he says, Manny's doing it, but it's actually a hurricane, a tornado. But it's just this last thing where he like he lays out the options, right? He's like the mannequins mm. of the lost and found, mannequin wearing green visors in the break room, all the stuff that you'd hear. Like I know Sawyer because I saw him; he was in the break room. Like that's how he moved. Mm. It doesn't matter how he moved. Sawyer's just like I don't want to hear that. See, I Why? interpreted that as her telling him that, and he's like, I don't want to hear that, but she is telling him. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I think like you you might be right. Like I think. It almost is better if he if she is telling him that and he refuses to tell the reader. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. how I interpreted that. I that's that's even better, honestly. But um, yeah, it's 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 just a great moment because I feel like you know I, I compared it to creepypasta before, but like the one thing creepypasta always does that I hate is well, except the very best ones, but like it insists on telling you the the story, like it insists on revealing everything to you, or it does obscurity in a way that doesn't work and in this case the, the sawyer just withholds this from you he's like you know what we're not going to go there <laughs> i'm not going <laughs> to give you denouement i'm going to go to the pond and and still ask about manny even though everyone's pretty sure it was not manny the whole time mm. but yeah um what did you think about the ending of craven um so uh, you mentioned that there's two endings which i was not aware of i was oh like, what ending did you see I saw the one where you were being made into a mannequin yourself. Like, okay. but it was yeah. kind of confusing to me because it's like I was surprised that there was a final boss battle in a game like this. That um, was very weird. And like it is not it, it's a very weird boss battle because you have to kind of like it, it, it all involves like redirecting the shots that they have. It's almost like something you'd see in another game I'm playing now, Breath of the Wild, but like you don't get the same uh range of movement let's say that you get mm -hmm. in breath of the wild you can run forward and back but uh you have to kind of figure out how to get these mannequins to shoot at you right it's very weird so i, w I was a little bit confused there because like it feels like you kind of beat this um this entity the craven entity but then so you would think that you would then be able to like escape but instead you find yourself like waking up surrounded by mannequins and being cast as a mannequin yourself Mm hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like I, I got the feeling that like it was like the spirit of Craven was still alive and you they, they killed you and like turned you into a mannequin, too, or the mannequins did. I couldn't quite figure that out. 
the other ending is uh, if you get the gear and the lever um, and open, like, there's an elevator on the first floor. Oh. If you do that, you can skip the whole boss fight. That's, like, the one time where reorganizing the rooms can help you because you can change the position of the attic and get the gear. Um, okay. Which is I had to look up. It's it's a little obscure, but I, I, I'm kind of, like, finicky about stuff like that. I always want to know. But, um... The um, the way it works is like you go down this elevator and you walk through this hall and it it's hard to describe. It's almost like Craven Manor is like this illusion flying along this uh the starscape and like you you run along that hallway and then you exit a door and it's a beautiful field like the end of Stanley Parable. Um, really weird and like just like very obscure. I think the ending where you're the mannequin is a stronger ending. Um, I didn't understand the happy ending ending. It seemed like it was kind of just like a lot of imagery that didn't quite land. Um, I feel like the the first ending is like that too, because I don't think it logically really makes sense with the act. Like you you beat the boss and then you get that ending and there isn't really like any connection between those ideas. I think they just like they thought of that ending and they're like, well that would be cool as hell and then didn't really like work to try to make it make sense and honestly i think that more horror art should do that like just do stuff because it looks cool as hell they used to do that in like vintage horror all the time and Mm -hmm. um i feel like that's been a lost art to just show people cool stuff What's well, like, uh, have you ever watched The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, that old silent film? Oh, I sure have. Okay, yeah. So the ending of Caligari where it's like, it's revealed that actually the your your main character is a mental patient and Caligari is just another mental patient in the hospital and it's all a bit of an elaborate illusion. Sorry, spoilers for the 1930s <laughs> film, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, if you think about that for like more than five minutes, it's very hard to square. It <laughs> doesn't super work but it's a great ending it's like such a good cool ending where you're like oh that blew my mind um yeah i agree i think i think it's neat um i think the reason i liked it more in mannequins instead of so here's the things i didn't love about craven manor i thought it was annoying that there was combat in it given that it was like a, a unity 3d game if it was all puzzles it would be brilliant I think, um, so there's not necessarily supposed to be combat. It's kind of the mannequins work like the the angels in Doctor Who, where like they don't move if you're looking at them. They only move if you turn your back to them. Um, And so like if if you turn your back to them, then they can like kind of like latch onto you and you just like spam AD to to get out of it. Um, I liked that there was combat because it made them less scary to me oh. and it made the game playable i mean i liked to... it i liked it when it was more scary when they were just there <laughs> i needed to know exactly like what the worst case scenario <laughs> was and so like after i knew what the worst case scenario was it made the rest of the game very playable i this don't explains like always... why we had different opinions on the combat okay that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just like i didn't find it super effective and i i would have loved if it wasn't there like in the library there's a library section where like the mannequins following you around like bookshelves and it's scary at first but then after a while it's like okay i need to figure out the order to push these books back in to open the secret passage and every time this mannequin gets me like i am just i see you mannequin i see you mannequin i'm checking this up i'm gonna get hurt i need to wait like it it got a little like frustrating for Mm. me that way but 
I can see why that would uh, take away some of the horror too, because like, it took away some of the horror for me. Um, I think the other thing I didn't love about Craven Manor was like the fact that you know while they were leaning into the mannequin thing and it, it was cool and stuff, like I feel like they they could have done something like more unnerving, scarier with the mannequins if like as you say they didn't have that final boss. Like the final boss felt a little strange. Like you could have mm. taken that last ending. And just been like, oh, whoops, like, you're a mannequin all along. Like, <laughs> like I feel like that would have been way more uh, surprising and effective. Hmm. Yeah, I don't uh, think you know why you're there. I don't think you know who you are. Do you? I think, like, yeah, the closest you get is, like, it's a rainstorm and you've wandered into Craven Manor. <laughs> As one does. I hate whenever I get caught in a cra- Craven <laughs> Manor rainstorm. It's terrible. You hate rain. You hate it. I mean, that I like, though. Like, I think... I think the thing it's that, like a Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of uh, yeah. premise. <laughs> it's like it is. It is such like a a hoary, uh, a horror trope, but like it's cool because you know, like just like in Night of the Mannequins, you get these tropes and you don't have to know why. Like it's like oh, you know, like yeah, of course, like uh, you know, I, I immediately knew the mannequin had come to kill my friends, and you, you're just like Sawyer. I don't know. Like that doesn't seem very logical. <laughs> But you don't go there even the first bit. You're like, all right, it's a horror novel. I guess that's true. Um, and the same with the game where, like, oh, I ran out of the – I was stuck in the rain and decided the best place to shelter was this scary mansion. And you're just like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, I think horror horror premises are, are fun when they're just thrown at you, right? Yeah. I And yeah. I do like whenever horror – I think – so what you didn't like about the combat was that it, it – ex- it explains too much about how the mannequins function and that makes it less scary. Um, yeah, it makes them sort of like functional for... in the midst of the game where like, I, I don't know, like I'm thinking like, okay, like what is the computer going to do when I move around the corner here? Mm-hmm. Like instead of thinking like, ooh, that's a really scary image. It's just like thinking about strategy. And for me, I liked it just because it made me able to play the game. I don't think mm. that it was necessary. I think that you're probably right uh, that it's, it makes it weaker because it makes it less scary. Um, I only liked it because otherwise um, I don't think I would have <laughs> completed the game. Um, I get it. That's okay. Cause I, I do prefer horror whenever it doesn't try to over explain everything. And so like even movie, like the newer, I don't know. Like I loved get out, but I didn't love us. Oh, what is it called? Us. It's called us. Right. Um, um, yeah. 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 That's the second, that's the, the um, next, uh, the next uh, Jordan Peele movie, but it, and it's so well crafted. But it's like everything you see in the movie means something, and I mm. feel like it just kind of like takes away some of the tension, um, just because you're like, oh, I see this, and it means something, and everything's like a, you know, everything carries meaning. Whereas like the the most horrific thing to me is that not not everything does carry meaning. That there really is no sense to the world, and that's kind of like what Night and the Mannequins plays with is like. There is no actual sense to to what's going on, and there isn't a like a, a family structure that you are meant to preserve or anything like that. That yeah, um, something's just just happen. Yeah, I agree, and I think like you know, Night of the Mannequins does that, and so does so does Craven Manor. Actually, like there is there is a level of like why is why is he doing why is craven doing it it's never really explained it, it, he doesn't say like it's because i want to live forever it's just like he likes it like he's sort of interested in it um in the same way that sawyer is like 
you know, why am I doing this? Well, I guess if you think about it, it like it makes good math, but I'm, I'm sick of doing math problems. So I'm going to go just like actually just kill my friends because that's what I have to do. Like it is it is like in the end, it's there is no moral. It's just kind of like the end. Um, and yeah, I like that, too. I think it was um, I think that made them, them both enjoyable again to go back to something I said at the beginning, like they were enjoyable in both extremely enjoyable insofar as they just like stuck to their concepts and were like super interested in their particular interesting, like, you know, unique concepts um, and just played them to the hilt and like, didn't really worry about, okay, what are the plot holes or like, how do I explain this or what's closure for the reader? It's just like, let's just play with this. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting that these, these were chosen based off of their, um, prior to reading or playing either of these things based off of their just like mannequin connection. Um, and so like you mentioned, like the horror of mannequins are that they're, they're like us, but they're not us. And in Craven Manor, really the scary thing is the, the mannequins and like, Oh, they're like us. They're moving like us, but they're not us. Whereas in Night of the Mannequins, the the mannequin isn't really the, the horrific thing at all because the mannequin isn't even real. It's the, Oh, that feeling of being a teen teenager and it's like like feeling human, but there's something wrong and it's that alienation in your own body. So it's not like feeling alienated by this like other thing that's like you but not you, but feeling that in your in yourself. Like I kind of feel like myself, but there's something else that's that's wrong right now that I I can't correct. Yeah, agreed. And like it, it is it is something where like Sawyer is definitely doing projection through the whole text where like Manny is feeling bad about being abandoned and Sawyer is like, well, school's almost over. Um, I guess we're all graduating and we're going to leave. Hey, that mannequin we played with over the summer must feel really sad that he's losing his friends. Um, And like that obviously is projection, but it's never in the text like explained as projection. You just, you just Mm -hmm. have to get there yourself. And it, it really is one of those things where, that whole subtext is there for the taking. It is absolutely, and I, I love the way you said it. I didn't actually think about it in terms of alienation from yourself, but that's totally what it is. I mean, even with like Sawyer putting on the mannequin mask and becoming, trying to become a mannequin like Manny to stay in the past, like, you know, inanimate and, and able to be happy again in the end of the book, like, which, I mean, we find, we sort of can intuit as just a fantasy and he's probably just going to get arrested or something. But we don't have to even go there because the book ends before that as Sawyer Sawyer's last line is, okay, that's the end roll credits, please. Um, and like that, you know, it is, it's this way of like having this whole depth to the story that you can access or not. Like the book doesn't really seem concerned about whether or not you get that subtext. Like the story can just be a fun slasher too. Mm. It's interesting that like he, he pulls it back to like that movie at the end because um, like you mentioned, like with the with the Avengers like trilogy, it's like, oh, their their friend group was like obsessed with the first two and the third part was like disappointing. And so it makes you think of like, OK, well, um, he saw yours thinking like, OK, the the first two two parts of my life, like that story was already told, like my childhood was great with my friends. My high school years were great with my friends. This next part of like my story does not look fulfilling. How can I cut off the next part of the story? How can I fix it right now yes. before we get to that disappointing end to the trilogy? Cause 
there is that sense of finality that like once you leave high school, like nothing, nothing can be the same. We can't hold on to like any kind of permanence to, to the purity of childhood, early teenage years. Yeah, I think that's right. And like, it, it is the sense of like, I mean, this is always the most, dis- I mean, I, we touched on with Craven Manor, but it's always the most disappointing part of any horror movie is the, is the conclusion, right? Like all the best, like most memorable endings of a horror movie are and like i mean this is like the actual ending because if you think about something like psycho the the memorable part of that movie is finding norman bates's mother which is not the end of the film um you know like the memorable part of a lot of horror films is not the end of the movie it's like it's sort of like something in there that's interesting or like a character or whatever i think like the only memorable endings i can think of that really work I mean, even like my favorite movies, like I, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is is a is a masterpiece, like one of my favorite actual just plain old movies. I don't like the ending that much. I think the concept of the ending is great. The execution is kind of like whatever. Um, most of them are just like, you know, Jason's hand popping out of the dirt or whatever. Like you have like the cliches, but horror almost never is fulfilling when it's explained. When you actually get the mystery explained to you, it's like, oh, OK, I guess <laughs> that's not nearly as scary anymore and so like this being like how do i how do i avoid telling the bad part of the story um story ends here because i decide is is super clever mm-hmm. and very very in line with the narrator it's just it's so good this is a good good horror book it's really good and i feel i feel kind of bad for Graven manor because like Graven manor is like i mean within its own genre of like um a bunch of kids making a game and and you know it having like you know a small uh labor pool and no budget and just like it, it's a neat game like oh, it's I really think, fun i think craven manor uh if it if you're into horror games or think you might be into horror games at all i do think it's really interesting and i think that it's, it's one of time. the one of the more accessible games to get into because it is it's free it's about an hour long um, it'll play on any computer yeah, it, so I would definitely try it out, and I think that you'll you'll quickly get kind of the gist of the the gameplay within like the first ten five ten minutes, and um, and see if it's something that you're into. I it's yeah, it is. <laughs> it's Rough a shame that this book is like a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's good, and it's the first horror game that I've been able to like actually get through. I'm so um, proud of you, Liv. <laughs> Whereas like am like I honestly think it's like I could play stuff on on console, but like being this close to my screen with headphones on is just a little bit too much for me. <laughs> We're gonna get you to play VR Resident Evil Seven. We're gonna get there. Mm. Is Resident <laughs> Evil Seven that that scary? I played with the Resident Evil games it's a bit. A, it's it's a little scary. It's a little more like a um I don't know, a little more like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or uh, or those those move or like the um what are those Rob Zombie movies like the um like House of a Thousand Corpses yeah yeah where there's a scary family yeah it's more of one of those um I think I think I could do that like anything that has action in it if you have a weapon mm. I think I can do that okay um, it's like the it's one about where agency you're just, yeah 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 because like that's why as soon as I got like attacked by a mannequin I was like oh okay this is what happens um <laughs> That's funny. Okay. No, we're totally different that way, but I, I think that's that makes a ton of sense to me. Um, then I guess the real challenge would be getting you to play like Alien Isolation. 
I don't think mm. I don't think that one would go well for you. That's the one where you just have to hide. That doesn't sound great. I I think <laughs> <laughs> and I think that I could probably like force myself through some of these things, but that's I mean, not fun. It's I'm not having fun. And it's like Truly, I don't get scared at all during horror movies or horror books, but I, I just love how I love looking at them or reading them. Um, and I'm not even scared of like haunted houses. Like I've been to the one in Baton Rouge that's like supposed to be a, you know, pretty intense one, um, pretty good one. And that was still fun. Like I was still having fun the whole time. I yeah. don't know what about playing horror video games feels more like labor than fun. I mean, you watched all of uh, Stay Alive, and I, I watched it with you, and you were not scared. No. I, 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 <laughs> I can't believe I wasn't scared during PG-13, Frankie Muniz, Stay Alive. <laughs> I, well, I mean, Elizabeth Bathory was in that movie. <laughs> She's very scary. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I hear you. I think it's like it's a, a genre thing. But I do think I would agree with you that the, the um, Craven Manor is like – it's accessible and interesting, and even if you like, even if you're like me and don't like the combat, right? Like, even if it reminds you of like other horror games you played or whatever, and you're just like, yeah, this is a little bit of whatever. Um, the horror, the the combat part, that is, the the rest of the game is actually pretty unique and interesting. Um, but if the combat turns you off or you can't get past it, that's like two thirds into the game. You'll you'll get the gist, and you'll get all the interesting parts too. Um, I think I just I it, it's a shame because like Night of the Mannequins is so good like I like I'm I want to read all of this guy's books now. Um, mm, mm-hmm. It like it was super entertaining. It made me very sad. Like seeing it all play out just made me really sad for Sawyer. It's a very one of the things I wanted to talk about in the podcast, and we didn't really talk about it, but that's it's okay. It's not the most important thing in the world. Um, but like it it plays with this thing that I'm kind of obsessed with with horror where. Horror is basically just like ultimately horror is just tragedy. And like once you get to the end of the scary part, it's just sad Um, because someone has died or someone has like, you know, someone loses something serious. And in the end, like you're just kind of left with something tragic. Um, And so the genres aren't really all that much different. Um, And I think Night of the Mannequins is like a perfect kind of combination of like horror comedy and tragedy just all kind of like playing with each other all the time like you never you always feel a little or i did anyway i always felt a little off balance reading it not in a bad way like in Mm -hmm. a way that i was excited to see what happened next but like i cycled through emotions a lot in that book yeah and it's just very relatable where you may not uh, like i don't really relate to anything in craven manor but i can relate to just feeling very strange in your own body and wanting to preserve the way that things are and um, being overwhelmed and just with the changes in life and knowing that changes are going to happen. And it seems like, I don't know, it seems like Sawyer was like the only one um, really kind of acknowledging that the change was going to happen and that that was maybe frustrating for him that he was the only one that's even like, paying attention to the fact that you know like this is kind of like the the end of a chapter um in their lives so yeah and i'm not i mean we're neither of us are the people to talk about this but i i think like one of the interesting things about this also being um indigenous literature is like you know there there's this there's this level of um 
I, I feel like there's a lot of expectation when people of color write uh, about uh, other people of color that like it'll be, uh, or I think a lot of white people would expect it to be um, like tragedy or 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 uh, deprivation porn or something like that, where it's like you know this is a person who never had anything in life and they they sort of like they they made it by the sweat of their brow. You know, based on what you read in college, a lot of that is like that. Native sons like that. Um, you know, that. Native Sun's the ones that are coming to mind. I don't have to list all the <laughs> stories you've read <laughs> in college. But the I think what's interesting about Sawyer as a character is he is the one he's the one of the characters that is most likely to just like have a good life. Like he, he he's taking AP classes, he seems like he's gonna go to decent college, his family seems like totally functional and good. Like his friends all seem okay too, but some of them have better lives than others, and like Sawyer just seems like a totally normal kid. And it's still like about his struggle. Like it's not about like the, you know find find the kid who is most tragic. It's like just pick anyone. And and you know his his identity as as a as a person of color plays into it definitely at times. But it is also like not something you can point at and say like that's what that's who this character is. It's it's just like so sympathetic and nuanced and like. Again, like I'm not the person to talk about whether, you know, it speaks to a a native experience or not, but like it certainly is not token. It's not it's not tokenizing. Let me say that. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that it's any any uh work by an indigenous author is from with with that aspect um of course that it doesn't have to explicitly say anything to still speak to to that point of view just because that is his lived experience that's a good point i mean i guess what i'm saying is more from the perspective of people who haven't read a lot of work from authors of color which i mean there are a lot of people who haven't like i i feel like there's an expectation and um it feels like graham jones kind of um flouts that expectation in some ways that are really productive um Mm -hmm. I don't know, I, but you're you're right. I mean, like it, it wouldn't matter if you did or didn't. It's just a, I don't know. Like I like, I just kind of like everything about this book. I think it's a really great book. It is. Yep, it is. Everyone read it. Go buy it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not expensive. It's short. Um, yeah, you really. It's got really a cool should. cover. It'll look great on your shelf. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and if you go follow uh, Graham Jones on Twitter, he only has like five thousand followers. You could probably be his friend. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, any any final thoughts on these, Liv? Um, I, I'm happy to have picked both of these. They honestly, um, after being chosen for kind of the... It, it's kind of the same thing that happened with um, A Constant Hum and Firewatch, where it's like I kind of picked them based off of this uh, this like one aspect. So like the, the forest fires and and mannequins and like they they ended up being able to explore um a lot past the the surface level for both of those things and so i'm very very happy for um how these married together for discussion so yeah i agree i think once again we have uh once again we've absolutely killed it um <laughs> just uh 360 no scoped um these readings again absolutely once again we've proven that we we just don't miss um well yeah no this was really fun i i i absolutely um both of these were a treat and um 
I mean, all, all the novels we've read outside of Zone One, which was not so much a treat, but okay. Um, but I, think I am th- still thinking about. I I do yeah. I do want to like keep looking into like did I miss something? Not that I would have enjoyed the book more, but like did my en- non enjoyment of the book make me miss something? <laughs> Zone One's the perfect example of a piece that takes its concept and says like okay now we got the concept down let's go investigate like the backstories of these people and like have them talking a little bit more and you're like no no go back to the concept the concept <laughs> do it again no like it 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 does not do the concept enough um maybe that maybe that is the maybe that's the lesson of this of this horror ween uh this year but um that's what i'm gonna start calling it just to be a real cool guy <laughs> <laughs> But no, like I, I, I really, I was, I was surprised and and pleased with this novel, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm surprised because I'd never heard of Graham Jones. Uh, not surprised that it was good because you suggested it, but, um, yeah, I was, I was very, very pleased uh, that we we chose this one. I'll be reading uh, his other novels, absolutely. Well, Liv, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I I enjoyed it once again, and I hope that oh, everyone no, no. hope that everyone continues to to enjoy these episodes because um, I do love talking about books and I love talking about horror books. So, yep, me too. Um, well, we can just make this a horror podcast now. I think this is going to be very exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk to you uh, next time. All right. Bye. 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 Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.